Hello, Alpha Familia. This is Emiliano Gonzalez again for another episode with Cafecito con Alpha Dallas. For some of you guys who are new to the podcast, I am part of Deloitte's tax management consulting practice. In addition, the main purpose of this podcast series is to showcase the person behind the professional, to show you guys their habits, their backgrounds, and their personal stories. And with that, let me introduce you to today's guest speaker. Hi, Miriam. Thank you so much for coming to our podcast today. And I wanted to ask you for, to start the podcast really quickly. For people out there who do know who you are or what you do, can you please tell us in a, you know, brief sentences? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today, Emiliano. Uh, my name is Didian Anana Vasquez. Uh, I was born and raised in Ponce, Puerto Rico. Ponce is located south of the island, the second largest city, uh, referred to as La Perla del Sur, the pro of the south. Uh, I did my undergrad back home in my hometown in accounting and finance. Uh, on an academic scholarship. Later in 2006, I moved to Bowling Green, Ohio to do my master's in accounting and information systems auditing, uh, also on an academic scholarship. So I was very fortunate to, to get a full ride for, for both my undergrad and grad school. Uh, later after I finished grad school and started my career, Uh, in public accounting, uh, I moved to Dallas in 2009. I currently work at, at BDO as a managing director in the state and local tax practice. I specialize in sales and use taxes, but mainly on the consulting side, uh, helping clients with audit defense, refunds, underpayments, research, uh, you name it. Uh, I have been a video for eight and a half years. I've been doing this for about 12. Uh, for those of you who never heard about video, we are a top public accounting firm. We mainly serve middle market companies. Uh, and it was actually at video that I was introduced to Alpha. So I have a, a very special place in my heart for video because of that. Um, it's never a dull day at, at the BDO office. So people think because you do tax, it's you're always at the office, but you're not. I actually, I'm all over the place. I can be uh, at the client side. I can be working from home. I can be at the office. So it's very hybrid arrangement. Um, a few things about me that are not work related. I love art. I love painting with acrylic. Um, I love salsa dancing, cycling, fitness, and cooking, mainly Latin foods, but which are very unhealthy but delicious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and can you can you tell us more? Like, how does a day in your life looks like um, as a managing director with with the video? Uh, a day in my life. Yeah. Um, so. I would say it's pretty typical, although it's not the most predictable. Um, I'm notoriously known for not being a, a huge morning person. So I try not to start my day too early. Um, I am more productive in the evening hours and the afternoons. I say that's when the magic happens. So I tell the staff at the office, maybe because it can be more quiet. Uh, you get 
less questions and you get pulled in less different directions uh, in the afternoon. So people leave the office and that's where it gets a little quiet. I try to plan my day the day before. Uh, I live by Outlook, right? If it's not an Outlook, it's not happening. Um, so the night before I look at my schedule, if I'm going to be at the office, if I need to be at the client side, if I have any lunch meetings, uh, or if I'm going to work from home, I'm kind of planning to scope my day like that, um, and, and go from there. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. And I, I know you, you mentioned you were Puerto Rico and then you moved to Ohio, right? For a master's degree. So I was kind of wondering how, how did that transition went? Because you went from like, you know, such a nice, nice weather in Puerto Rico to such a cold place like Ohio. How was the transition, Birdia? Oh, absolutely. It was it was quite shocking. I remember even feeling busy at the airport, you know. Uh, on that day, I remember it like it was yesterday and it's, it's been 16 years. Um, it was quite shocking, even though Puerto Rico is U.S. Um, and I would say... There were there were a lot of reasons why uh, that transition was was definitely challenging. Um, the biggest one is because I'm super close to my family, and I had never lived away from them. It was the first time ever I had lived away from my parents, from my siblings. So um, that was hard, and I found myself doing things alone for the first time. Right, I always cook with my mom or, you know, laundry, doing all these things that we always did as a family. I had to do them alone. So I was always glued to the phone with my family, asking them for help or, or with my roommate. So it was really fun, but it was also scary. Uh, and like you mentioned, yes, I went from, from one season, summer or all year long to having very four defined seasons. Um, I had one cloth in my whole life. Now I had to learn how to layer and um, and the concept, it, it might sound silly, but for me, I just didn't get it. Uh, you put a shirt on top of a shirt on top of this other shirt, and I just uh, it was a little bit of a struggle um, having to to do that. And you know, I I didn't enjoy that part for sure. I miss I miss the warm weather, but it was such a great opportunity to to pass. Um, in terms of the language barrier, um, that was it was difficult to an extent, but it wasn't the worst. Uh, obviously, my first language is Spanish, but I did grow up with English classes at school. Uh, it was part of the curriculum for all schools. Um, I grew up listening to English music or watching English shows with with Spanish closed captions. So I wasn't completely oblivious to the language. Uh, however, it's no different from people here in, in the U.S. mainland where they're being taught Spanish in high school, but they still have to practice it often in order to retain it. Once they leave high school, they completely forget it. So I, I knew how to write it, and I knew a lot of the technical aspects of the English language, but I still had to work a lot on those conversational skills. Once I moved to Ohio, I had to kind of perfect the ear for it and my pronunciation. And, and honestly, after 16 years here to this day, Spanish is my first language and I'm still aware of my pronunciation when I do presentations, when I'm talking to clients. 
and I'm still learning the words and I'm still messing up some too. <laughs> mm. um, so I can't say that my English is extremely perfect. Um, so it's still a work in progress and I'm glad I'm able to, to retain both. One last interesting fact I can think of the transition that was kind of shocking. And when I tell people they also find interesting is that I had to drop my second last name when I moved here to Ohio, um, to Ohio. I had to drop my last name. People say, you know, Latin people have long names. Um, and we do, we do have, I have two last names, my, my dad's and my mom's. We keep both. Um, but when I moved to the U.S., they told me I had to either have hyphenate them or drop one of them because in the U.S. you don't have that, right? You only have your, your paternal last name for the most part or your married name. We don't have that in my culture and in, in the Latin culture. We have, you know, both last names. So it was a little bit of a weird decision for me um, because we're very proud of our heritage. So I remember asking my family, is that okay? And they're like, sure. So I, I had to drop my second last name. I thought hyphenating it would have been um, kind of an ordeal. So I just decided to keep it simple. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I have something similar when I, when I moved from Mexico. When I was 15 in the United States, I have a similar situation where, like, in Mexico, it's, like, <clears throat> what is it, it is a country like right next to the United States, but, like, it's very different because, for once, like, they'll, they'll teach English in school, but, like, you don't have anyone to practice it. So, like, you know how to write it, you know how to read it. Well, like now, if Absolutely. you want to speak it, if you want to speak it, or you want to like listen to people how people <laughs> talk, and like it depends on in what place you go, have different slangs and different accents. You can you can like, you can easily like don't know what people are talking unless you know they talk very very slowly. And I had the same thing like <clears throat> when I was growing up in Mexico. It's like there was a lot of like a lot of like U.S. pop culture music like Maroon Five back then, the and sync. I remember Britney Spears, but that was a thing back then too. So I, I was listening to like music in English, and I will, I will, I will try to traduce the lyrics in Spanish to know what these people were saying. So yeah, that, that that's something that you know. <laughs> when I first moved to the United States, I wasn't oblivious completely to a language, but I wasn't like, like you know, fluent, incredibly fluent in English. But I wanted to ask you something real quick for it's like polishing it. You're you're trying to polish it. Um, yeah, I would Google lyrics all the time to, mm -hmm. to make sure I knew what I was singing. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it with like because some some singers they speak too fast, so it's like it's mm -hmm. hard to know what they're saying. Or you can you can misinterpret what they're saying because it's like if you don't listen to what they're saying closely, you think they're saying something else. That 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 happens to me too to today with like some like John Mayer like some some of these songs I don't know what he's saying or like I misinterpret what he's trying to say. But outside outside of the music world, I know I, I love music. We talk about music all the whole day, right? Music is one of my favorite subjects. Um, but I want I wanted to ask you something real quick. And I know I know you you say that you were in video for eight years and a half. So I wanted to ask you. If you can describe more or less like what duties and responsibilities you have done since you were like a senior and then to manager, the senior manager, and then to managing director, how how does that you know has compelled throughout your career? 
We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to today's sponsor, PDO. PDO delivers assurance, tax, and financial advisory services to clients throughout the country and around the globe. We offer numerous industry-specific practices, world-class resources, and an unparalleled commitment to bring our client needs. Nowadays, we currently serve more than 400 publicly traded domestic and international clients. At BDO, we believe that our business is at its core. It's about helping people, and it's about creating a better culture for our employees in and out of the office. It's about giving back to our communities and doing our part to preserve the environment. With BDO, we bring world-class resources and an exceptional service at each and every one of our clients. How my responsibilities have changed. Um, quite a bit, quite a bit. And I, I, I'll talk a little bit about each level um, and some of the differences between. Um, so a senior associate, at the senior associate level within my practice, you gotta have some technical skills, right? At that point, um, because you're more focused on producing quality work working with less guidance, you're working more independently, but you're still getting instructions from managers uh, while you're also giving instructions to staff and reviewing the work of staff and interns. Uh, at the senior associate level, you also need to have a good understanding of the business, right? Because at the end of the day, we are running a business we have different service lines we're offering to our clients and and kind of like the scope of services that we can do for them. So you have to have a good understanding of that and making sure you're producing quality work, okay? Um, then at the manager level, you have to be able to do everything, right, from the prior level. So mm -hmm. you already mastered those senior associate skills, uh, but your technical skills, skills are strong at this point and you're more focused on managing the workflow deadlines, the schedule, the project deliverables. You're still obviously developing others um, while reviewing their work for quality control purposes. The difference, the, the big difference at this level, you're probably going to be more client facing um, be the main contact for uh, a lot of the client executives. You're also doing more uh, scoping projects in terms of like fees and budgets and what the deliverable is going to be, okay? Then senior manager, of course, you're doing, you've mastered senior associate and manager. So you have all the same responsibilities of managing the workflow, reviewing work, and developing others, uh, but the main difference it's the that business development component, right? You're building, you're building and have a market presence. You're out there doing active networking, technical presentations, and client service. Um, you're also managing engagement risk, right? So that product that leaks out the door is the highest quality. Um, and then it takes me to my level now, uh, managing director, where you're considered a practice leader, you're leading by example, you, you can do what other levels can do, um, but it's more understanding the financial aspect of the business. You are doing the client service, uh, operational, it's kind of like, and the people aspect of the practice. You're basically involved in all aspects. Uh, I'm involved in from recruiting 
of staff to scoping work, to signing engagement letters, to billing, basically financial management and managing risk for the entire practice. So, but the elements that all levels have in common is you got to have good professional communication skills. At all levels, you're doing networking. At all levels, you got to be able to understand the business and produce quality work. So that has not changed. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And I, I, one thing I want to point out really quickly, I know you, you mentioned that you do recruiting for video. And I want mm-hmm. to, to, to ask something to help out, you know, the students out there or like the young professionals. What, what would you say are like the main pain points today that, you know, <laughs> this, like the staff will improve? I would say specifically for my industry, time management and keeping organized, it's always a huge challenge, mainly because in public accounting, in the public accounting industry, you can easily have 15, 20 projects going on and prioritizing work is going to be key and you're going to be pulled in many different directions and there's going to be a lot of distractions and everything has a sense of urgency, right? So that would be one big thing. Other thing I see a lot that is super simple uh, it's written communication. You know, you're you're going to be communicating with with business people, with executives. They don't have a lot of time to read this massive paragraph. Uh, so I always tell people, keep it short and sweet. You know, to the point. I see a lot of typos, a lot of misspellings that a quick spell check would easily fix. So I always tell staff, you know, do quick self reviews. I get it, or there's quality control levels for a reason, but you still should be doing some quick self-reviews because those are little simple things that um, that go a long ways and, and make a difference. Um, I always tell staff to be a sponge and ask questions because it is okay. I'd rather you ask than just sit there for hours trying to figure it out. Um, we're all still learning at all levels. I'm still learning every day, so... Yes, I know. <clears throat> I can tell you that uh, not by experience, but I mean I've been told by several uh, leadership people that writing is probably one of the most underrated skills in many professions. Right now, not only accounting, but if you can write really, really good, then you know you have a lot of potential. Because if you can write really, really good, it's easier for people to understand what you're saying, and it's easier to people. So, so you can explain to people your point of view. It's easy to tell people what to do. It's easy to tell people what's happening. It's easy to always express yourself better if you know how to write properly. Not just like write whatever. If you need to write, if you're really good at writing. And that's something I also need to work as well to it. Not gonna like, I need to practice more my writing skills. Hey, we're all we're all mm-hmm. a working process. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning too, and you know, in all aspects of my career. People think because you get to an executive level, you, you stop learning, and that's that's not right. Definitely not the case. Yeah, unless unless you are like a you know New York Times bestseller author, then then you're good, man. You don't have to work <laughs> as much. But most folks out there are in one of those. Well, for example, I I want to be able to write at that level. It's working progress. However, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you one more last question, Miriam. 
And you, you can you can say a little bit about your your hobbies. Um, but I want to ask you, what would you say have been like the main things that have helped you excel in your career? The main things. Um, yeah. There's been a lot, mm-hmm. and I have to say that I have been very fortunate to. Um, being able to identify some great mentors in my career and people that I have looked up to and to I've stayed close to them, people that have taken me under the win and invested in my career. I've also had people that taught me how I don't want to be. So I observe a lot of styles and kind of pick and shows uh, what I want to do and how I want to conduct my career, my business with others based on that, right? On experience. I've used those situations, either could be viewed as positive or constructive as fuel to move forward and be better. I've used them as lessons um, that could be perceived as negative, but they haven't been for me. Um, And I've also worked with a career coach closely That's also very helpful. Um, I've found too that my soft skills, I, they've taken me to places that my technical skills haven't. I can be both, but at the end of the day, it's the business is all about people after all, and you have to be able to conduct yourself on a lot of social situations where that's the most important thing. It's it's easier to teach someone technical skills over soft skills. So if you have those with you and you nurture them, that's going to take you farther. Another thing that I would say has helped me has been my cultural background. This has been a huge asset. I have served a lot of the company's international clients because I am bilingual I understand the culture and the communication style. Um, Our international clients, we have a lot of clients that are based in Mexico that have operations in the U.S., and they call me to service those projects. Um, Their language, their style is very different, very warm. We use more words, it's more expressive. I have clients that even nickname me um, Didi. So it's, it's very warm. It's it's not to the point. So I, I get it. I understand the culture and I've used that to my advantage to be able to provide the best service I can in an industry that it's, it's not uh, that I'm a minority. So. Gotcha. Well, Miriam, I want to say thank you very much for, for coming to our podcast and be one of our guests. <clears throat> and with that, this interview is concluded. Thank you so much, Emiliano, for having me. And before we conclude today's episode, we want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Accenture, Alex Partners, Ali Financial, Bank of America, BDO, Boeing, Comerica Bank, Deloitte, Ernst Young, Goldman Sachs, New York Life Insurance, Fertility Robohef International, Extreme Realty Partners, and Weaver. 